So, are you DTFF? Once again, here is Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football with your hosts, Dustin Lunt and Jake Trowbridge. Hey, welcome back to DTFF, everyone. Uh, Jake has decided after last week's hosting duties that he never wants to do that again. So I am never. back in the saddle, uh, uh, leading it off here this evening. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, if you're joining us live, uh, we've got a wonderful show for you this evening, talking all things AFC West. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, as you can see, we've got another panel of experts joining us to talk about the love of their teams but before we get into them i gotta introduce my host jake how are you doing this evening do you do you have to i don't know if it's a contractual obligation at this point or not that i have to be brought up on every episode well i've been Uh, told that if i don't you you start you cry after we're done recording and i just can't have that Okay, good. This was actually a test. I just wanted to make sure that my people had expressed that to you directly. So thank you. Uh, yes, I do want to be talking about, and thank you for doing that, Dustin. I'm doing good. I'm doing good here. Uh, this is, dare I say, one of the most high-powered divisions in the NFL that we get to talk about tonight. So for that, I'm excited. And not to mention this gaggle of lovely people that we have on with us. So I'm psyched. All right. Well, let's um, go around the horn and have everybody introduce themselves. And while you're doing that, why don't you let us know why are you a fan of the team you're a fan of? What what made you be just the Homer fan of your team? So, um, John, let's start with you. Okay. Um, I see we took a poll and decided to pick the stupidest fandom story, and we'll start there. So that's fantastic. <laughs> um so I I grew up in central Arkansas and there in the early 90s there wasn't like a team allegiance that you had to be a fan of based on the location. My dad wasn't a big sports guy so I wasn't born into a fandom. So uh I let uh the Super Nintendo decide it for me in Tecmo Super Bowl and I picked the team with the coolest what I thought was the coolest helmet and that was the the Lightning Bolt and I've been a fan ever since. Oh yeah, man, this is solid. Was that Stan Humphreys and like Natron Means? Yeah, yeah, that was them. And, and here's yeah. the thing. Here's the worst part: is I thought I nailed it as a as a pre. I thought I nailed it because within a year or two we went to the Super Bowl. Of course, we got beat like a dozen eggs at a Waffle House all you can eat omelet night. But you know, <laughs> the rest is history. That was very uh, disruptive. You had it already and everything. <laughs> Uh, I, I feel sorry for our other two guests here that have to follow up that. Uh, yeah, so right. Terrific. <laughs> All right, Dan, let's let's throw it to you next here. All right. So if you guys don't know, I'm Daniel Harms. I work at the Fantasy Football Astronauts. And my the reason I'm a Chiefs fan is because my parents lived in Missouri for a little while, and my dad grew up in Iowa. So he naturally got to pick his favorite team growing up, and that was the Chiefs. So I lived in Michigan growing up, so I was actually saved from being a Lions fan. Granted, up until very recently, it wasn't exactly saved because the Chiefs weren't always the great. And then Andy Reid came over and it was uh, kind of 
story's over at that point. They finally became good. So, yeah, it was really kind of boring. My dad just said, here, you watch Chiefs games when they're on TV. In Michigan, that was very not very often. So, yeah, that's it. All right. Dan, and as that, a fellow Iowa transplant, by the way, I do have to just throw this out there. Uh, there were there were really four teams that you you know could have chosen equidistantly, I suppose. Uh, and I'm just glad for your sake that it wasn't the Lions <laughs> or the Vikings or the Bears. Yeah, <laughs> I just wow. want to just yeah. want to put all of those options out there. I'm also bad. very happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nate, uh, finish us off here. So I was born into this man. I live like. 20 minutes from where the old mile high was, which is where the new stadium is. Uh, I just grew up with the pain. It was painful until 98. I mean, some of my earliest football memories are just the Broncos getting blown out in the Super Bowl. Those Dan Reeves teams. Um, it was hard to stick to it, but when you live here, you kind of can't really, you can't sway. You can't go anywhere else. You have to be a Broncos fan and it's gotten much better as we know. So I'm thankful for that. We've had a better run than the Chargers, that's for sure. Shots fired. Oh, we've all Ooh. had a better run than the Raiders. I love you, John. Who are I forgot they were in our division for a minute. because you know. We all kind of forget. <laughs> Elephant in the room here. We don't have a Raiders representative on the show. I'm going to go with the narrative. It's because we intentionally left them out so that all three of you could have a team to just sort of unite around bashing uh the reality is is that our person just got a fever and had to back out but i still think that you should take full advantage of this oh we will absolutely that's impossible no problem <laughs> okay um let's um quickly because i don't want to waste too much time here uh jake why don't you tell everyone what we're drinking this evening and then we can um throw it to our guests our fun little beverage is actually the one that Dustin dropped off on my patio just before the show started. But it's from Youngblood Beer Company, a delightful little microbrewery here in town. And you chose this, you said, because of the name of it. Strictly and for I the name. I respect the hell out of it. It is a fruit punch sour. And it is very good. But the name is Sir, This is a Wendy's. And for that, I do think that you won. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's what I said. I'm like, this is I amazing. I got to grab this. That's the best beer name I think I've ever heard. Yeah. It's really good. And it tastes as good as that name. Yes. Like, it'd yes. be a letdown if it was not very good. It's actually delightful. No, it's it got, like, delicious. dragon fruit, passion fruit, all the fruits in here. It's really good. <laughs> so it's healthy, too. Yeah, right. I love yeah, exactly. that in the beer. Yes. I'm getting my vitamins. It's a win. Exactly. It's like a V8 with a kick. <laughs> <laughs> Remember V8 Splash? Does anybody recall V8 Splash where it was oh, like those were so so fruit juice version? I no. loved it. I loved every minute of it. And I would buy it today if it was still in stock. Uh, I feel sad for you, Jake. All right, let's let's go um backwards uh, around the horn. Uh if you if you're enjoying a beverage this evening, let us know. Nate. I am drinking a black cherry, truly. Cheers, nice. guys. Nothing fancy. I usually have a fancier beer. It just sounded refreshing. It was like almost yeah. 90 here today. Fair enough. That's solid. Yeah. Dan? I'm actually really, really simple. Just a uh, peanut butter whiskey and Dr. Pepper. Ooh. Oh. Is that the screwball? Mm-hmm. 
We see that all the time. Never bought it. Now we're going to have to try it. It is. Yeah, no kidding. It's super simple, but it tastes like a peanut butter and jelly in liquefied alcoholic form. That's incredible. But if you if you want to go really peanut butter and jelly, you get the cherry version of the Dr. Pepper and just kind of. Oh. oh. Yeah. Locked. Locked up here for next time. <laughs> Dustin, I have my beverage for next week. Yeah, no doubt. All right. And John, how about you? Uh, wa- water. No. Um, that's all right. Hydrated. Stay hydrated. Yeah, just, hy- just hydrating. Gotta when you get old, gotta you gotta it. make sure your kidneys still work. So water. Yeah, <laughs> never, never a bad a option. Option. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, we, we we've got uh, one more little segment before we get into the heart of this episode, and you guys can start uh, uh, keep firing shots at, at each other here. Uh, let's do our drunk trade of the week, Jake. Drunk, 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 a guy in my league put Jalen Hurts on the trade block, and I sent the 104 and 204 for Hurts. Now I drink more, they say. Now, I'm very curious. This is, for reference, a one-quarterback dynasty league. So big-time emphasis there. In a one-quarterback dynasty league, is this really worthy of being super sad about or are we okay with this? Thoughts? Let's mix it up and let's throw it to Dan first. What do you think of this one? I guess that really depends on your view of Jalen Hurts. Because we all know he's a good fantasy quarterback. He's really ranked among the top five in terms of people think he's going to finish the top five fantasy quarterback this year. But in a dynasty league, we need to know the future. You have to have your future intact. If he is your only quarterback, he might not have a job next year. So if you think of it through that lens, it's... A little hurtful because now you've lost your 104 and 204 for a guy who might not have a job next year, and you'll be searching for that compensation next year. But if you can convince someone to go get him this year, maybe. Might you know. say it's a little a little hurtful? Little, <laughs> Dad, would you say? Winky? I think, I, think Winky? I would. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> now, one quarterback league, is that the end of the world here? Let's say if Jalen Hurts is gone next year, you get one year out of him in 2023, you got to reset. John, do you think you can come back from that if that is the case? I think it's going to be an uphill battle. I mean, I, I know what Jalen Hurts, like Dan said, I know what Jalen Hurts represents for fantasy, and he does. I mean, his legs open up that option. He's got a high floor, but whether or not he's on a starting roster next year is kind of the big thing. So I think sending the 104 and the 204 this year is better than sending the 104 and 204 next year. But you're still you're in a hole at that point if he doesn't retain a starting job in Philadelphia. Fair point. Nate, if you mm-hmm. had to, would you be better? How how much worse would this be, let's say, if it was 2023 picks that he sent away instead? Oh, uh, well, I mean, a lot worse. Obviously, we know the 2023 class is good, and I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter by, well, we'll say week 10 of 2022. Ooh, who's Ooh. taking over for him, Nate? Who's who? Who do I have to project onto my lineups right now? 
Uh, I, I don't even know. You know what? It doesn't matter who the backup is. I just don't think he's going to last through the season. I think he's going to – they can't rely on his legs as much as they did this past season. I can't see it. I would never – Justin, if he can't rely on his legs, can he rely on A.J. Brown to make up the difference? Slash, are you comfortable with this trade? I think if you're looking at it as maybe a championship contender and you are maybe this quarterback piece away from really contending, I don't mind the move. But as a long-term value, yeah, I agree with everyone else that he's probably not going to be the starter next year. But I think for this year, you could probably rely on him. Like I said, if you're if you're kind of buying in for the championship, I don't have an issue with that. Yeah, in a one quarterback league, I think there are two, maybe three quarterbacks that I would be willing to give up a first round pick for in general, because it's just much easier to replace in a one quarterback league. So I don't think Jalen Hurts is on that list for me. So I personally would have kept the picks. So, uh, yeah, Scooby Bugs, I think we all get why you drink more. Um, yeah, <laughs> so we are in agreement here you probably should have held on to the picks but for what it's worth i don't think it's the worst thing we've seen much worse come through this segment oh absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely all right that, that, that's enough of, of the uh foreplay here let's get into the the main event here and let's start off with the broncos only because it is first on the list so uh, I will start off by just kind of going through, I'll use this term loosely here, notable additions and losses for each team. And then uh, we'll just kind of go from there. So Broncos finished fourth in the division at seven and 10. Uh, notable losses were Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, and Noah Fant. Um, brought back Melvin Gordon. I put that under the addition since he returned to the team. And then obviously the big Russell Wilson trade. And then for the draft, in the third round, Greg Dulich, and in the fifth, Montreal, Washington. So, starting off with Nate, uh, why don't we start with the big elephant in the room, Mr. Unlimited. Uh, is he going to be the answer? I hope so, and I think so. Uh, Hackett, as Jake would know, likes a quarterback that can move a bit. Russell Wilson can move a bit. He's very good at moving it. He's been vocal about the fact that they're going to use Russ outside of the pocket a lot. That's going to give him time for guys like Jerry Judy to get down the field, Cortland Sutton to get down the field. We know he's got a cannon for an arm. Dude, Russ is going to cook in Denver. Like, we're talking like gourmet, like Wagyu beef steaks for the entire city. Ooh, like cooking. Nice. So, so you are total wheels up here with the, the new head coach uh, that – Hasn't had any head coaching experience previously. I know, you know, he's we're we're very familiar with him here in Wisconsin. Mm, right. But I, I, I you're not concerned with with uh, him coming in as as a first timer and implementing the offense and running the team and everything. I was at first, but I trust our GM George Patton. I think he's done a great job since he took over for John Elway, and he's surrounded himself with good quality coordinators, positional coaches which I think makes a huge difference. That was when Josh McDaniels came here and everybody was so excited for Josh McDaniels. He didn't surround himself with smart people. If he had, he would have had a much better tenure in Denver. Hackett was smart. He's got good coaches around him. He doesn't have to try and do it on his own. I'm not worried at all. Right on. I like that. And you know, 
as, as a Packer fan here and mm-hmm. him coming coming over from that. I, I want him to succeed. So I, I like to hear that. And guys, uh, thank you for him. Thank you. <laughs> well, you're welcome. You're I very guess. gracious about it and not at all <laughs> smug, Nate. Thank you so much. <laughs> hey, you still have Aaron Rodgers. That's the Packer we really wanted, didn't get. So there you go. By the way, I'm going to be so narcissistic for a second. I just typed this into the chat myself, and I want to plug it because I was really—I thought I was really clever. <laughs> saying that the tenure in Denver sounds like a Muhammad Ali fight. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out. I love that. I'm I like it. I like it. <laughs> also, Mr. Scamper's got to watch out for that hey. high altitude boiling point, though. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. You know, uh, Herms was just in town. Stayed with us for like five days. First thing he says when he gets off the gets into my truck, I can't effing breathe here. I mean, we're a high. And that's always a concern when we get free agents in. Like, are you going to be able to handle this altitude? Because it is brutal. Mm -hmm. But, you Mm -hmm. know, Russ, he cooks. He'll be fine. That's right. He's he's got the bubble water to sustain him. It's fine. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So moving away from Russ or, or... in extension of Russ, I should say. So which receiving option do you think, and this will be for around the horn here, which one benefits most from Russ coming to town? And part B, how would you rank them? Like, if you're in a redraft coming up this year, who are you wanting to take first on uh, in, a, in a redraft league? Well, I'm probably going to go Cortland Sutton. I think he benefits the most. He's that big DK Metcalf type receiver that can get up and get after the ball, but he's also a deep threat. He's got good speed. He's now two years removed from that ACL tear, so he should have a lot more confidence on the field. Um, I think, and Tim Patrick's probably just below him because Tim Patrick's a very similar possession type receiver. So for me, it's going to be Sutton, Patrick, Judy, Hamler. It's kind of how I'm looking at it right now. All right. Uh, Dan, thoughts? Yeah, I am I toy around with the idea of KJ Hamler as that Tyler Lockett kind of player mm-hmm. because I do think he's the one guy that resembles what, he, what Tyler Lockett did for Russell Wilson in Seattle. So I'm probably a little bit higher on him, and the only reason I'm lower on Tim Patrick is because how is if, if they do go with Hamler as more of a deep, a deep field threat, they need speed on the field, and I, I really view Patrick as more of a guy who – would benefit from Cortland Sutton getting hurt, being the X mm. receiver in that possession type of, of guy. So I only I have him lower because I don't know if he's going to get on the field enough to be productive. And I want him to. I think he has talent, but I think that there's value in speed. And when you're trying to keep up in this division with everybody, with the Mahomes, with the Herberts, and I mean, I, I guess the Devontae Adams, you're you're going to try to air the ball out and get it down through with the speed. Like that's what it is. So I'm a little higher on KJ Hamler. So I would personally go with Sutton, Judy Hamler, and then Patrick, because I don't know how many snaps he's going to get in comparison to everybody else. All right, John. So not a lot of love for Judy here. Uh, every, they all seem to think that Sutton much to my um, pleasure here is, is going to be the one that benefits most from Russ there. Do you agree? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm bigger on Sutton than I am on Judy, but I'm, I still think I'm higher on Judy than a lot of others. I like the route running that he possesses. I think he might be one of the more crisp, clean route runners that Russ has had an opportunity to work with. And when I think that that the when they start to mesh, when there starts to be a chemistry there, I think he's going to kind of unlock that side of him, his ability to get open at will. But I'm kind of with Dan, too, in that I think Hamler is going to be kind of the surprise of the season in his deep threat ability. 
and being able to kind of take the top off a of defense. So he's someone that I'm really speculative, especially like during best ball season and stuff like that. Give me Hamler, give me him late, and I'm I'm happy with it. I like that. All right, moving on away from the wide receivers, let's let's talk this backfield because Melvin Gordon was resigned. Javante is everyone's golden child out there, and he looked incredible last year. Let's be honest. Do we basically see a 50-50 split like we did this last season between the two backs, or do you really see Javante taking over this backfield? I have a hard time seeing Javante take it over. I don't think they would have brought Melvin Gordon back if they thought they wanted Javante Williams to take it over. I love Javante Williams. We also know Hackett's very good at working a two-running back system. I think we're going to see something very similar to what we saw with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon last season. Javante Williams being more of the A.J. Dillon type back, I think he'll get more volume than A.J. Dillon did, but not by much. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at in Denver. It's, it's hard to be at their ADP. It's hard to be excited about either one of these running backs, really, I think. Mm-hmm. Any any uh, additional thoughts from John or Dan? I just would like, I think that what we're seeing in the NFL is a huge amount of emphasis put on true like committee backfields. They don't want to have a guy because that leads to more injuries. Saquon Barkley was the guy. He's been nothing but dealing with injuries. Dalvin Cook dealing with injuries. I think that they're trying to go away from that for the most part, but I do think that they're going to want to give maybe more of a 60 40 because I think at the very least, that even though I, Melvin Gordon was probably the more efficient runner at times, Javante is better, is a much better back than Melvin Gordon is at this point. He's more explosive. He can break a little bit more tackles in the open field. So I would say 60-40, but there's a reason that Melvin Gordon's back in town is to help keep those tread that tire, those tires on him a bit longer so they can really run him down a few years from now. Mm-hmm. John, any additional thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he nailed it. Uh, kind of exactly my my thought process there is they're going to give Javante more because you want to utilize the draft capital uh, there. So they, they are going to get him more involved this year. But I think the idea of the committee preservation approach is what they're trying to do. They're Like he said, they're trying to keep the tread on the tires a little bit longer. So I'm I'm definitely in that camp. I would love to see Javante just take over. And uh, if, if something happens and Melvin Gordon has to sit for a minute, Javante will be the dude. Mm-hmm. Jake, I didn't throw the last question to you with the wide receivers. So, oh God, I know. Waiting for it, but whatever. Just been over here stewing in my thoughts. <laughs> I do. I do think it's interesting. Two things. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hit both of these at once. One is. Jerry Judy, of course, uh, hoping that there's no legal troubles or no suspension for his arrest that happened. It kind of seems like probably not. Uh, But I do love Cortland Sutton. So that's five for five on Cortland Sutton. I want the guy who's not really as much over the middle. Uh, I want the outside the numbers running contestant catches guy. I I want them. And with the red zone uh, targets as well. With Melvin, at least he signed late. He re-signed with Denver very late in the game. So I feel like they wanted maybe to move on and just ultimately couldn't make it work. But I do think that Javante has a lot more volume this year. I would put him in the 70 to 30 range. I think Melvin starts to take a backseat. Okay. And then just one quick additional question here. I'll throw it to Dan and John. Uh, Alberto, uh, we saw him flash last year when, when Fant was out. Now Fant's out the door. 
should we be excited about him? I would say I would have said yes had they not drafted the better tight end on the roster and Greg Dolchers. I think he's not only a better blocker, I think he's more well-versed to deal with today's NFL. I, I feel like he's a, more, a bigger type of – he's not – obviously, I think Albert O's a little bit bigger in terms of, like, height. Uh, but Dolchich is guy that I want going over the middle of the field. Like, I think he can handle all that stuff, and I think he's going to end up being the best tight end in Denver come midseason. I'm I'm a little more hesitant on Albert O, and it's not because of Albert O. Like, I think he's a, a, a good tight end. I do like Greg Dulcich a lot as well, but uh, it's the cost for me. At the ADP he's going for, I'll wait, and I'll take a speculative shot on someone else. So his ADP just kind of skyrocketed with the addition of Russ to the point where I'm out. Mm-hmm. Nate, how do you feel about Albert O? So I was really hot on him until they drafted Dulcich because now it just seems like maybe he wasn't what we all thought he was going to be in this offense. And Hackett came out of the gate and said that they wanted to use him as more of a wide receiver tight end hybrid, which is an exciting thing because you're thinking Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, that type of tight end usage. But with Dulcich, I think he's what Dan said. Uh, by midway through the season, he's probably the tight end one in the Denver offense. Ooh. I keep my eyes peeled for him. All right. Um, any last thoughts here about your Broncos before we uh, shift away from them? Please, God, don't disappoint me. Just please. <laughs> please. I mean, it's been a long seven years. But Fair enough. I think it's going to, I think fantasy wise, I think this is a team that is some of these guys could be league winners towards the end of the season. So we'll just have to see how it goes. Mm hmm. All right, let's move on to the Chiefs. Uh, that They finished 12 and 5, first in the division. As we all know, they lost Tyreek Hill in that big blockbuster trade. Uh, Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson, again, using notable in, in quotations here. Uh, and then additions to the team uh, former Packer MVS, Juju Smith Schuster, and Ronald Jones. And then for the draft, they took Sky Moore in the second. Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh and Justin Ross, who was undrafted, signed them after the draft. And I know a lot of people were uh, very high on him uh, prior to the injury. So, Dan, I'm going to throw it to you here first as the residence Chiefs homer. Who becomes the number one wide receiver on this team? And I say wide receiver, not Travis Kelsey. Yeah, that's always the caveat because we know that the offense runs through Travis Kelsey. Even with with Tyree Kill, it ran mm -hmm. through Kelsey. That's what it always was. But we're going to see a, a much different offense this year. As we know, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill were the best one-two punch in the NFL. And now Tyree Kill is gone. He is a Miami Dolphin. And the day that that trade happened, I like, I don't know, part of me died a little bit. And was reborn with the way that I think the offense can be run. Uh, I did a little bit more research on you know Andy Reid earlier in his career, and I really think that what they're going to do is try to finally adapt their offense a little bit to deal with the defenses that have presented themselves against Patrick Mahomes. But to me, this is not going to be a very comfortable answer for a lot of people. Is McCole Hardman is going to resume the Z receiver role that Terry Kill had? In my opinion, he will take that over this year. He will be given an opportunity to actually show what he can do. Near the end of the season last year, they really tried multiple in any ways to get him the football. 
anyways. They were getting him screens. They were getting him stupid QB touches to get him the ball. Like they were just trying to find multiple ways to get him the ball. So I think that the additions of Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Stantling are really more of a keeping everything well-rounded. You have the deep threat with MVS and you have the underneath guy with Juju Smith-Schuster. And I think the way that they are adapting this offense is to let McCole Hardman be the everywhere, the deep, the middle, the underneath. They want him to be the focal point. So as much as it's uncomfortable for people to hear, it's uncomfortable for me to say, I think that Mark, that uh, McCole Hardman might be the quote-unquote number one receiver in Kansas City this year. Dan, I'm going to have to get you one of those sweet flat caps because you just became the conductor of the Mikol Hardman hype train coming you know, into I'm, this I'm season. Here, I'm here for the – I'm just here for all of it because I want everyone to rethink what they think they know about the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And Mikol Hardman being the best receiver out of everyone this year would just be icing on that cake. <laughs> Twitter would lose their mind. All of it. Oh, oh great. It would great. burn so hard. Um, I'm, I'm kind of here it. for it. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. Here, here we, we'll, go. we should all get some hats. We're all just going to conduct this train from here. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, John, do you agree that McCall Hardman could step up and be the number one, or do you see that kind of shaking out differently? I think it's going to be spread around a little bit more, and I don't think we're going to know who the preferred target is going outside of Kelsey is going to be until we get closer to the middle of the season. He's going to be building a rapport with a couple new receivers. One that's got hand issues. That's MVS. Like we know he's got a case of the yips when he gets down there sometimes. Um, and then, you know, building with Smith, Smith Schuster. So I think to begin with, it's going to be old reliable. They're going to, you know, they're going to run through Kelsey, but I, I think Smith Schuster might be the safer early part of the season target because I think he's going to occupy the other side of that underneath route that will be the second read because the first read, who are the defense is going to be looking at? They're going to be looking at Zeus. That's who they're looking at. So they're going to be trying to bottle him up, which is probably going to free up, you know, Smith Schuster uh, on the other side underneath. So I could see him being the possession style early season that I want to trade out of by the time the middle of the season occurs. Mm-hmm. Nate, thoughts? I honestly have no idea what to think about this wide receiver core. Um, it could it could be Juju. I don't think it's going to be MVS as the guy who takes over and becomes another one. Could be Miko Hardman. I I just don't know. It could be none of them. It could be Travis Kelsey has 250 targets, 180 catches, like 20 touchdowns, and 4,000 yards, or. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire starts catching the ball a ton out of the backfield. Who knows? It's so hard to tell what's going to happen with this team. If I had to pick one, I'd probably say Juju. Okay, fair enough. Jake? I don't like this question. I don't don't think I'll be participating in the draft a Chiefs receiver game come the, the start of this season. I think I'll be leaving them all on the board unless there's some crazy falls down the draft board, but I do feel like people are going to be reaching on everyone here, including the rookies. I think everybody's going to be too highly drafted without us really knowing who the guy is. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree with you, Jake. And just for the record here, um, just don't draft MVS. Uh, he is great. 
if he's got a guy in his back pocket and it's a contested catch, but if he's wide open, he'll, he'll drop the ball every time. So uh, just stay away from MBS. He's he's last on my list here for those wide receivers. So we're we're going to switch here with this next question to get it to a little bit more redraft focused. Um, Travis Kelsey, he has been typically going in the first or second round in for the last what six seven years uh, in redraft because he's that safe and that good. With this unclarity in the wide receiver room, do you see him going in the first round again, like solidly, like middle of the first round? Yes, I don't. I don't think you can. I don't think you can safely say no because, as much as he disappointed a little bit at times last year, I think he's po'd about that whole situation. He was not happy with not only how often he was being really manhandled at the line of scrimmage in the first five yards of his route. He was being thrown around, tossed around, and I think he kind of let it all out on the Chargers on that game-winning touchdown that he had. He was just like, hey, guys, I'm just going to take this and win because that's how good I am. Um, he single-handedly requires now the most gravity, which is attention from the defense on the Chiefs' weapons, all of them. He was the most required the most gravity. So I still see him getting 150-plus targets. He's going to absolutely – be better than he was last year and near that seven eight pick around there in that first round i'm probably just gonna much like last year i'm just gonna take it and i'm gonna forget about it because he's going to produce he's gonna get the targets he's gonna get even even with the attention he's getting i still think he's gonna be a guy you can count on to be a the tight end one or tight end two this year and that's worth taking in the first round um nate john do you agree disagree i completely agree yeah, I yeah. completely agree. The targets are not going down. Lock them in. Mm-hmm. Jake, do you dissent? I've noted before on this podcast that I will not be taking Travis Kelsey in the first two rounds of redraft this year, and I could very well live to regret that. I, I probably will because my thoughts, the quick bubble here, are that Patrick Mahomes has never had a solid number two receiver. It has always been Tyreek Hill and then nobody else. Travis. Tyreek, no one. And now I would argue there are at least four receivers on the team better than whatever they had behind Hill last year. I literally think all of the additions this year are better. I mean, maybe save for me, Cole. Uh, if, if, again, if, since we're leading this train, I can't leave me Cole off of it. Uh, <laughs> but I think in general that depth is just so much better. And I do agree with Dan that he's going to be getting the lion's share of the attention from the defense. Doesn't mean that he's going to bust or anything like that. It just means that I'm not as comfortable with what his target share could be here uh, without seeing that closer to the start of the season. Well, Jake, I should have known better than to ask you. We know your takes on tight ends are garbage anyway. That's so true. <laughs> true. <laughs> and then finally here to wrap up the conversation here with the Chiefs, this backfield, we had CEH much hyped uh, coming out a, a few years ago. They bring in Ronald Jones. They have, um, which Williams brother is it still on the team? I don't know. Um, no longer have a Williams brother. It's Derek oh, Gore right behind him. Derek Gore. Uh, how do you see this backfield shaking out? Is CH just, is he just a guy and he does what he's supposed to? And he, you know, he, he never was as good as, you know, fantasy Twitter thought he was. 
Uh, is it going to be more of a committee with Ronald Jones coming in? Kind of how do how, again? How do you see this shaking out? Yeah, this is a it's a tough one because I personally am a Clyde Edwards-Alaire truther. He was my RB one in that draft class. I, I had him over Jonathan Taylor, which I now regret. And when you look at what he was supposed to do coming out of LSU, he was very much a duo inside the tackles runner and a pass catching extraordinaire. That's what he did. And the Chiefs decided they were going to draft him and then not throw him the ball and also run him on outside zone. Like, what are what are we doing with this situation? That doesn't make any sense. Um, so he's had to deal with some usage problems in Kansas City, which is weird to say for a guy that Andy Reid likened to Brian Westbrook. Makes no sense to not throw him the ball. And also with some health issues. He's not had one full offseason healthy. He had a whole gallbladder issue last year that no one knew about until this offseason. Like, lost 40 pounds. Like, that's that's insane to get back to health to begin the season. So they bring in Ronald Jones. For me, this is them saying you need a little bit of a push because it's been difficult for your first two years. And even though Ronald Jones isn't catching any passes, we all know that. He's just going to drop him out of the backfield. You have to have someone to push you in the run game a little bit. And if this works out to being maybe a little bit more of a 60-40 split in terms of the running back backfield, whoever wins wins and gets those that lion's share in terms of 60%, it is. That's what it is. But I still think that Clyde's going to be the guy this year. I think he's going to get more passes. Like I tweeted it yesterday. It's May. I've already convinced myself that Clyde's going to catch passes this year. You can't convince me otherwise. I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> and that's what it's going to be. So I have Clyde being the guy this year with Ronald Jones being a change of pace back who brings that explosion, that speed that they desperately need at the running back position because Clyde never has been that guy. So I, I really do think he's going to be the number one back. He's their first round pick. He's not going anywhere. So this the move to get Ronald Jones to me was them trying to push him to be the best he can be as an NFL player. Okay. Nate? I mean, everything that Dan said makes complete sense to me because I've really been wondering, like, why did they bring in Ronald Jones? CH, first round pick. You figured that they kind of felt solid in that backfield with him, even though he hasn't been phenomenal. He's been serviceable. But what Dan said makes sense. I think that there's a good chance that maybe we actually see CH do close to what we all hoped he did when we were taking him in the first round of rookie drafts in 2020. I would love that. John? I'm going to kind of rain on this a little bit. I think CEH owners are going to be really, really frustrated with Ronald Jones this year. Ronald Jones is going to be better between the tackles for short yardage situations. So uh, goal line specifically, like I think they brought him in because they wanted someone that could close out a good drive uh, on the goal line. And I think Ronald Jones is going to excel at that. Like he does well between the tackles. He's good when he can get a little bit of wiggle and then to space. I think by the middle of the season, we're going to see a pretty even split for carries. I'm, I, I can even see them rotating sets, rotating downs, like a set of downs. I think Ronald Jones is going to be a headache for anybody that, that has Clyde Edwards-Alaire on their roster this year. Well, it's about time someone, uh, had a dissenting opinion here. It's been too nice this episode. Yeah, I dissented like crazy, Dustin, and you, you don't called count. me an idiot for my time. <laughs> <laughs> you don't count. You're a host. Come on. He has feelings uh, too. 
Also, Ron ain't catching shit this year, so at least we don't uh, have to worry no, about no, he's not. He's not catching passes. No, he'll look at him. Yeah. He won't catch. Him. Maybe he, he'll look at him if you're lucky. Otherwise, he'll just be like, maybe I'll catch it better. I just can't wait till we get the training camp reports that he's been working with the jugs machine. Um, so yeah, a la really Jordan Howard up. kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Dan, any uh, final thoughts here before we move on? Don't be surprised if Sky Moore doesn't produce the first half of the season. Just just don't. This is very Andy Reid playbook-esque every year. Rookies don't take to it. It's very, very difficult. It takes a long time. You're also talking about a wide receiver who comes from Western Michigan up two levels of competition into the NFL learning a brand new playbook. It's not going to be a plug and play. Just be patient with it. Don't, don't, don't make his ADP so ridiculous that I can't draft him. Okay. Just don't do it. Cause I want him on my teams like in the late rounds, but if he's going in the mid, I'm not going to take him because he's not going to get on the field that much until later in the season. So just do me a favor and don't push his ADP up. I would like to have a little bit of my favorite chiefs pick this year, please. Well, it's been a PSA from Dan Harms. <laughs> yeah. I hope for your sake that happens, but something tells me that's not going to happen for you. So I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, jump over here to the Chargers because, uh, you know, the Raiders don't have a representative here. So screw them. They can go last. Uh, <laughs> the Chargers finished nine and eight in third place last year. No notable losses to speak of. The only addition really via free agency that's fantasy relevant is Gerald Everett. We know they really beefed up their defense, uh, but that really doesn't have a whole lot of fantasy impact here. And then in the draft, they took Isaiah Spiller in the fourth. So leading off with Isaiah Spiller here, John, is he going to eat into Austin Eckler's workload enough that we should be dropping him as a RB1 this season? I don't think it's going to be enough to really drop Eckler and what he has done the last few years. What I do think is they, they are trying to find that strong number two. Uh, that's what they've been looking for the last couple of years. It was Joshua Kelly a couple of years ago. It was Larry Roundtree last year. They're trying to find that other reliable, bigger bodied pounder type of uh, goal line. I mean, that's really, they never wanted Austin Eckler to be a goal line guy. And after seeing this last season, I don't understand why outside of the health side of it. Dude scored 12 rushing touchdowns. I don't see that happening this year. I don't think they're going to try to overutilize him between the tackles and goal line situations like that. I think they want to keep some tread on the tires. They want to use him in space like he has produced so well with. So I do think Spiller is going to factor in as the number two they've been looking for. It's not going to be a 50-50 committee, but I do think that there's going to be some value for Spiller, but I don't think it's going to push... I don't think it's going to push Eckler too far down, but he's he's going to see a couple of vultured touchdowns along the way. Okay, Dan, agree, disagree? Yeah, um, I like Isaiah Spiller. I actually think that he's the eventual replacement for Eckler myself, and that's nothing to do with Austin Eckler. I just know that next year his dead cap becomes much more manageable to deal with. And you're always trying to turn over running back position in the NFL. And you don't get younger. You just get more tread. And Austin Eckler's been great for them. But I think that Spiller does a lot of what he does. And he's younger. So I, I see him as being someone who can take over that back backfield if he gets on the field and starts producing. Mm -hmm. Nate? 
I same. I mean, you 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 can't ding Austin Eckler. Look what he's done the last two three seasons. Plus, he's a Colorado boy, so I have a little extra love in my heart for him. Um, look, Isaiah Spiller is going to be great in this league. In two to three seasons, he takes over that backfield, but it ain't happening this year. He'll get a share. Austin Eckler's still a top 10. Good. I like to hear that consensus there. Um, so going back to Jake's favorite uh, position here, the tight ends, uh, with Gerald Everett coming to town. <laughs> well, I, I forget. I, I forgot to call you by your new name, Jake, the tight end screamer. Um, Thank you. Thank you. So, sorry about that. My my apologies. <laughs> uh, so Gerald Everett coming to town, uh, John, are, are we going to be overvaluing the tight end position again uh, in redraft or even in dynasty now that there's the new uh, toy in town? I know we were all really excited with Jared Cook and, you know, Herbert uh, connecting. And yeah, maybe we saw some flashes of that, but not really what we expected. Is this going to be more of the same or, or is Everett the answer uh, for tight end? Well, let's first of all let's start by defining we. So when to to begin with, I'm going to say we as the fantasy community in general are we going to be overvaluing, overdrafting uh, Gerald Everett in this role? Probably not, because we've kind of been burned by it over the last couple of seasons. We know every time someone moderately athletic with a pulse comes in, we're like, oh, it's Antonio Gates born again, and it's not. So. I think as the as the industry as the community, no, I don't think we're gonna go down that road again. But me, as me, yeah, I'm totally gonna get burned. I, I, there's nothing that trips my trigger more than a, a, a above average athletic tight end. I'm a sucker. So we as the community, probably not me. Face first, ankles deep. I'm in. <laughs> Nice. Dan, uh, do you agree? You know what? Why not? I think that you attach him to a, a quarterback like Justin Herbert, you know, just put me all in. I think that Everett can be that, that kind of guy. Are they going to work him in that way? I know Avery. Yes. My daughter thinks that Jared Everett will break out under the Chargers. So yes, that's <laughs> what it is. My daughter has spoken. You have your answer. It's over and done. Nice. That's a good nice. last. <laughs> Nate, um, I know I personally um, in the past have, have fallen for Everett and thought he was going to have uh, some breakout. Do you see it happening? Um, I have fallen for it before. And for that reason, I am out. He's it's just, I keep waiting for him to do something and he never does it. So I won't be drafting him. I don't think many will. I don't think a lot of people are going to bite. We've all been burned too many times. Do I dare ask you, Jake? No, are you, are you in or you're out? I want to hear my tight opinion. <laughs> well, I can't agree with John because if I do, I'm going to be tainting it and I'm going to be putting bad juju on it for the upcoming season. Don't I don't want to do that, that to him. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> I don't I don't want to do it. I'm not going to be the Ricky Bobby here, so I'm just going to abstain from this one and say I have no opinion. All right. And then um finally I want to bring up the tale of the dual wide receiver that was Mike Williams last year. Now, he started off you know as the girl on fire, um uh, if you are familiar with the uh um uh, Hunger Games novels there. Um I know. I'm sorry. I can't help it. Uh, so started off great on fire. Those first, you know, five, six games of the seasons got a little dinged up. And then just we never saw that again. 
which is the real Mike Williams, John, and what should we expect this upcoming season? I I I called the beginning of that breakout, so I I am going to take credit for the beginning half of that season. What happened after the injury is all based on the injury, so I'm just going to stick with the fact that I won this round and uh, and and go with it. I believe what we're going to see is something that's going to settle kind of in the middle. And I know that sounds like a cheap answer, but he's really got kind of the health thing more under control. Like if the dude would learn how to fall down properly and not like slam to the earth, like a meteor every time he comes down to the ball, like I think he would just be incredible, but he can't seem to do that. I think we're going to see a lot more steady production we're i don't expect the beginning of the season is not sustainable like what he did in the first what five six weeks last last season i don't see that being sustainable but i think he can definitely bridge that gap and be more consistent throughout the season i think he's a high touchdown guy because he's a big-bodied guy that can move in the red zone so i do like the touchdown upside that he presents we just have to kind of taper how many deep bombs he can come down within the game before he you know crashes i'm glad somebody mm-hmm. else brought up that he parkours every time on his way to the ground <laughs> it's every time dude hits like 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 he got knocked out halfway up he does not know how to fall down uh nate you like mike williams this season i do but like john was saying i mean you can't expect him to be anything close to what he was that first part of last season i think he'll be a good like wide receiver too somewhere like probably back-end wide receiver, too. And he's being drafted as such, so I'm, I'll probably have him. I like him. I like him at his ADP. Okay. And they didn't do anything to really replace him, so... Mm-hmm. Dan? I'm going to get a little more in the weeds on this. I actually think that if the Chargers solve their offensive line problems, Mike Williams has a chance to outscore Keenan Allen this year, and that's because Justin Herbert wants to get the ball downfield. Okay, They have proven that they don't want Keenan Allen running those routes. And from what I saw... I know that Mike Williams doesn't get open quickly. He takes a little bit of time to get open. Once they had a couple of interior offensive line and tackle issues and injuries and just breaking down last year, Justin Herbert could not get the ball to him when he wanted to after the injury came back. If the offensive line can hold up for an extra second, Mike Williams is going to get far more deep shots. I think that the early season success, while it's unsustainable to that level, the targets are going to come back and the ability to have that production will also come back. I like to hear that. I hope uh, you're right, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Any final thoughts here, John, before we, uh, I guess we close out with the Raiders? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll take a minute before we get to them, guys. I'm still mad. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough right now. And it's something I'm trying to talk to myself as being someone that has uh, a large investment pool of Justin Herbert is that they took strides to really, really improve that defense, and that could lead to a reduction in what Justin Herbert is required to do to try to keep game, keep games close. So a lot of his production came in catch-up mode, catch-up mode, catch-up mode, because you could run on the Chargers all day long, you know, and wear them down, and then you could beat them deep. So they made a lot of – they focused on shoring up the defense, and I think that's going to – improve the the consistency at which he produces but it's going to lower kind of the volume so that's something to be kind of aware of as we head into redraft season is he may not have to chuck the ball as much as he did last year 
Mm-hmm. That makes that's me it. sad, but that's a very realistic possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So then let's uh, finish this off here with the Raiders. As I said, no representative, but we'll talk about them anyway. Uh, Raiders finished second in the division, very surprising, at 10-7. and seven. Their notable losses, Brian Edwards, Zay Jones, and Marcus Mariota. They brought in Devante Adams and Keelan Cole, a bunch with another uh, bunch of no-name uh, wide receivers. There must have been about five of them as I was looking at their additions here, but I left the more notable ones up there. And then in the draft, they picked Zamir White in the fourth and Britton Brown in the seventh. So, Nate, we will start with you here. And how much will Devontae Adams and Darren Waller eat in each other's target share? I think there's enough love to go around in this offense. I think Josh McDaniels is going to probably throw the ball a ton. I, I, I mean, look at their run room. I did, do, you, do you want to run the ball a lot with those guys? Probably not. I think Waller probably takes the biggest hit, though. I think Devontae Adams is probably going to be around where he was in Green Bay. Waller, I mean, maybe like tight end five, tight end six, which, I mean, as we know, that drop off is huge, but he's still a tight end one. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dan, um, if that's true that um, Waller does drop that much, and if you feel the same way, uh, let us know. Um, but would you be drafting him in that second, third round where he's been going the last couple seasons? For me, it really it comes down to how much is Devonta Adams going to eat into Waller or Renfro? Because that's who came on last year. And do we assume that Renfro is just going to get that target share still? I think that it's going to be distributed decently between Waller and Renfro. But, you know, Adams is going to take the majority of that because that's Devonta Adams. It's his old buddy. He wants to throw him the ball. But funny enough, Derek Carr was one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL at throwing the ball on first down last year. Weird. He had 220 throw attempts on first down, seventh in the NFL. Very, very, very weird. I actually think that they're going to run the ball more because that's what the Patriot plan is. That's what Josh McDaniels wants to do, in my opinion. And that's why they drafted Zamir White is to have a one-two punch at running back and to limit the the majority of trying to always throw the ball downfield. But we're going to have to see how that works out with, with McDaniels himself. But I'm still taking the talent that is Darren Waller in the second or third round because tight end play is at a premium. You can only get if you're if you're gonna go, you know, balls to the wall and get a tight end in the first couple rounds, Darren Waller will be one of the guys that I target. Mm-hmm. And John, do you uh, agree with that? You take him uh, in the second or third, or do you think Devontae just eats too much into his usage? I think they're gonna be like disgustingly committed to targeting early and often Devontae because of the capital they sent and so on and so forth. But I do think that the two roles are their own kind of separate things. I'm more concerned about Hunter Renfro maintaining the target pace and share that he had than I am Waller. I think uh, Derek Carr shown that he does like that bigger body um, target that can, can be used in a variety of ways, not just, you know, kind of across the middle. So I think, the biggest hit here is Renfro, not Waller. I'm still looking at the the main target share to be Devontae's. For that reason, I'm I'm kind I'm comfortable with Waller in the third, but I'm not looking at him in the second. There's other options that I will take in the second over Waller, but if he gets into the third, especially towards the middle of the third, I'll, I'll bite at that ADP, but not in the second. Mm-hmm. 
and Jake, as as Packer fans here, we saw Devontae produce at you know an incredible level for a number of years here. Um, how do you feel about Devontae moving over there, and how does that impact you know not just Waller but Renfro as well? I think Renfro was really the beneficiary of some injuries late in the year last year with Darren Waller. And I think he was more of a necessity. Not that he's not an excellent player, because he definitely is. You know, Devontae Adams coming over from Packers with his 30-plus percent target share over the last uh, handful of years. It's not going to get that, um, but it's definitely going to be interesting. I know that's a lame answer, but I don't project Devontae Adams to finish as like a top seven or eight guy this year. And I don't project Darren Waller to be nearly as as high as he has the last couple of years either. So it's all just a little murky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Old. <laughs> Run uh, game ho! <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, nice uh, segue there, Jake. Um, Dan, Josh Jacobs. How do you feel about him? Is he going to be the workhorse? Um, I believe Kenyon Drake is still on the team. They they drafted Zamir White. Uh, is he going to get the lion's share of the the workload here? How do, how do you see with McDaniel's coming in the you know the backfield shaking out and what this offense might look like? It's it's a it's an interesting one though. The Raiders have now three guys that they have running backs on their roster, but I, I don't really count Drake because I don't think he's going to be getting the bulk of any carries. I think it's going to be Jacobs and White. And you have to trust White to be able to produce on that first, second down tier. So as getting the majority of the actual touches in terms of rushes, I think that Jacobs is still the guy. For me, them not extending his fifth-year option was to say, we don't want to pay you that fifth-year plus because running backs don't need to get that much money. And if you prove that you can be a valuable part to this this team, we'll sign you probably at a, a lesser amount of money at the end of the year and extend you. Because I still think the McDaniels, with the way that they want to, specifically the New England Patriot way stuff, running the ball. We just saw the New England Patriots take five running backs in the draft with five on the roster. So they just want to continuously stockpile running backs. And I think that McDaniels also wants to have options at his disposal with Drake now and you add white you have Jacobs he wants to find someone to be like the the first down guy I think that Jacobs can do that you have white that could be more of maybe you know that home run threat he has that that kind of speed and then you have the pass catching back in and and Drake so their backfield is extremely murky but I would imagine that Josh Jacobs is the when we say workhorse like the first <laughs> the guy that gets the Majority of the rushing attempts. Right. Nate? Yeah, I'm with Dan. I mean, I think Jacobs probably is, as he said, the workhorse. As much as a workhorse, as much of a workhorse as you're going to get at the NFL level at this point. Um, but it's so murky. I'm staying away from these guys in most fantasy formats, especially in redraft, because we just don't know how this offense is going to look and uh, you could get burned. With, I mean, Josh Jacobs is still going fairly high in some of the mocks that I'm seeing. I'm not touching him. Mm-hmm. John, where would you be comfortable taking Jacobs uh, in a, in a redraft league this year? Mm, I would have to, it would have to be a couple rounds in and I would have to have like stockpiled a couple of really top tier uh, receivers to feel comfortable with it. I'm a little, uh, 
I don't really want Jacobs. I I mean, he's okay. Like he he's 24. Like it feels like he should be older than that. He's only 24 years old and it feels like he's been in the league for a long time. We know what he is, but most importantly, we know what the Raiders don't want to do with him. They don't want to unlock the targets. They don't want to feed him, you know, pass attempts. Like we've seen it time and time again, we keep getting excited about the potential for more volume from a target perspective and all the carries. So he is a, he's not going to catch passes. He's not going to be targeting that route. They brought in Zamir White. They've already got Drake. So they've got those other avenues covered. He's going to be a one-two pounder with goal line upside. And that's kind of not where I want to put my money when it comes to a high equity draft pick for redraft purposes. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. And John, we're going to stay with you here uh, for the final question dealing with the Raiders. So Derek Carr, he's got a brand new toy in town. Uh, he's been one of my more favorite, if I'm punting the quarterback position in redraft, to um, one of my favorite targets to grab later in the draft. Do you see him finishing as a top 12 quarterback this year for one? And two, how high up do you think he's going to get pushed in drafts, um, just knowing that he has Devontae Adams, another weapon on his team? I think he's going to get pushed up a little bit more than maybe I'm comfortable taking him. I do see him as being possibly in that 11 to 14 range, like kind of right in there. But there's a lot of variables that come into it. I, I think he can, I think he can be a top 12 guy. I do, but it's going to be on the outside of that, the 12 to 13, 11. He's going to be kind of late in that, in that range. If I'm punting, I'm comfortable taking him as a QB one. Um, but I'd like to pick up someone else that's ahead of him along the way. So I do see him as being an upside play, but I'm afraid the ADP is going to get pushed kind of beyond where I feel comfortable grabbing him. Fair enough. Nate? So I just took him as my first quarterback in a super flex startup. I uh, got him in the 12th round, I think. I think that there's a potential that he could finish 2022 as a top five fantasy quarterback. I'm not saying I think it's likely, but I think there's a chance that it could happen. If someone's going to outperform their ADP, I know, John... I know we're supposed to be Raider haters here, but here's the thing. He's got Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro now. He already's proven to be super efficient. So Thanks, buddy. See your kid agrees with you, Nate. You say hi, Jackson. Oh, he probably does. You like Derek Carr, don't you? Hi, Derek Carr. No. <laughs> oh no, am I Derek Carr in this simulation? You I think so. Look, I think he's four are. and a half. He doesn't know who anybody is. Fair, yes, you do. Because you're adorable. Yeah. Well, that is adorable. <laughs> All right, Dan, what do you uh, say about Derek Carr? Do you feel good about him this year? I do, actually. I'm not going to go on that level because I think top five is extremely the. the Hope everything clicks in the right spot and they just throw the ball all over the place. But you figure he figured he's finished as QB 14 last year. He needs two, just a two spot improvement. I think that Devonta Adams worth more than just a two spot improvement. I think he can go top 10 and finish in top 10 with the efficiency that he does bring with, I think they're going to bring more play action game, which is going to lend itself to more touchdown passes in that offense. And the way their defense is as bad as it still is, just because their pass rush is better doesn't mean the defense is going to be better. They're still going to get lit up on the back end. They're going to have to come back in games. So I think he very well could finish as a top 10 fantasy quarterback. Nice. Jake, do you agree? Begrudgingly. 
Yeah, I really, I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to like the idea of Derek Carr as a top ten Nobody guy. Nobody does. Just, Not one person. No. I still think that his upside is such that I'm not going to want to draft him like he's going to be a top 10 guy, because I do think there are so many other quarterbacks that have a much higher upside still. But in terms of baseline, it's really hard to get better than what Derek Carr can have this year. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, anyone have any last final thoughts about the Raiders specifically here before we uh, close out the show? I just want to make it very clear. I am not a fan. That's all. <laughs> yeah, everything that we said was just because we we have to from our own personal benefits as fantasy analysts. Like we have to say things that we say. Otherwise, I would just say Derek Carr is not going to finish in the top twenty fantasy. Right. Like, this, just, this team's zero and seventeen. Like it's not going to happen. <laughs> Dang, we're going to clip yeah. just that part out. By the way, to promote this episode, yep. there you go. Just the part where you I say it won't it. be a top. Do it. Do it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up here. Um, I will have each of our guests here go around and uh, give yourselves a little promotion of where we can find you, what you're doing, things you got coming up, all that sorts of good stuff. Um, so, John, let's throw it to you first. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at John underscore Hesterman. Um, you can find me a, a variety of Instagram uh, TikTok, all that kind of fun stuff too. My TikTok is madness. Um, yeah, we've got, I've got some stuff coming out with DLF. We're covering the incoming rookies right now and kind of how their situation is shaken out from an early look standpoint. So we've got that coming out. I've got one that'll be coming out in the next week or so on trail on Burks. So we've got that to look forward to. So I do have some content coming out that will be available on dynastyleaguefootball.com. Right on. Definitely go check that out, folks. Nate, throw it to you next. Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Nate Polvote, P-O-L-V-O-G-T, for if you're listening because you're never going to figure that out on your own. Um, I am a feature writer at Fantasy Pros, so I've got stuff coming out a couple times a week there. I'm a content creator over at Trophy Smack. Go check their stuff out. It's pretty awesome. And I am, of course, with In Between Media, kind of my baby with Seth and Jen, something we all do together. Check check me out there. Check out my bio on Twitter. It's all there. Right on. And then Dan. You guys can find me on Twitter at inharmsway19. You'll find all my film breakdowns with Chiefs specific at the RGR Football Channel on YouTube. I also am on Fantasy Football Astronauts. The problem right now is that their YouTube page has some copyright strikes out against them. So we're trying to work that out as I get more film out there as well. Uh, but I also just started up the Fantasy Football Astronauts. Um, podcast myself. I just dropped an episode with Derek Brown. You guys can go check that out and I'll continue to have content pumped out on my Twitter page and at the uh, Astronauts YouTube page whenever that gets back up. All right. Yeah, folks, um, definitely go check out everyone's uh, work they've got going on here. It's really great stuff. Jake, where can people find you? Oh, they can find me around. Uh, I'm on Twitter <laughs> at Jake Trowbridge. All right. And folks, you can find uh me at FF Dusty Dog on Twitter if you so choose, but definitely follow us at Drinking Fantasy. Hit us up. We want your drunk trades. We need your drunk trades. Uh, we love talking about them. So hit us in our DMs for that or hit us up in our DMs for any other fantasy football related questions or any questions you may so have. Uh, we are here for you to answer all of life's um, queries. So that'll do it for this week, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. 
uh, give us a rate and review on whatever podcast application that you follow us on. Uh, if you are just listening to the show, want to see all of our beautiful faces, you want to see our, our guest beautiful faces, uh, check us out on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, uh, and join us there. Uh, every week we are streaming live. So until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers.